Welcome to the North Shore Fellowship Podcast, a place to explore the intersection of God's story with our lives. My name is Chris Powell. I'm sitting here with Jason Hood and Heather Dirksy. When we first started recording these podcasts, we came up with this tagline, a place to explore the intersection of God's story with our lives. And it strikes me that what we're doing in Sunday school right now with the Apostles' Creed and with people telling their stories is one of those places where we're also exploring the intersection of God's story with our lives. I haven't had a chance to be in the adult and high school Bible study. Uh, That is what we are studying there. Heather, we're also studying this in the middle school Sunday school. Is that correct? They are, and it's been really fun. I have to say, I think that uh, I was a little bit concerned when we decided to do the Apostles' Creed, even in adult Sunday school, because we say it in church, and it seems pretty simple. And when it came time to write lessons, I thought, well, what are we even going to talk about? Because the words are simple. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Um, But as I've dived into it and been creating lessons for middle school students, it's a lot of fun to really think about everything that we're saying, the history behind it, uh, what it meant to the early Christians, and how those same truths are still so big and important in our lives today. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do is not just have abstract truths that we look at. It's always the easiest thing in the world to have just a Bible study or uh, just a, a systematic theology lesson where you just look at the facts. But what we're trying to do this semester is look at the truths, but then how those truths invade our life. And so that it's not so much that I have them, but they have a hold on me and that that's spilling out into my life in uh, profound ways. Uh, So um, this does fit in with the tagline for our podcast, that intersection between God's truth and our story, uh, or the place where God's story invades our lives. And uh, we have to do that hard work of gleaning instruction and wisdom for us uh, from those eternal truths. So we've been inviting people to come and share their story. Uh, Sometimes it's just a big testimony of how all these truths invaded my life either in one particular moment or especially over time, um, but also some specific personal reflections of decisions that people have made or situations they've wrestled with from the standpoint of one or more of the truths that we uh, we confess in the Apostles' Creed. Matt Monahan is, is an example of this. We had him talk uh, as we we're recording this last week. Uh, he's an artist, and so he really has an appreciation for the implications of God is creator and what, what it means to be made in his image so that we're all creators. We're all forming things. So Matt did a great job of laying that out. We'll have excerpts from him here in a few moments. But first, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about even the beginning statement, I believe, and what that means and, and how something like that plays out in our lives and takes a hold of us? Yeah. So it's interesting that it's written this way. It's written uh, not as an abstract proposition, you know, just, uh, you know, these, these people over here might believe this, or here's just a set of facts, but it's written as a document that's already been internalized. This is something that I have latched onto. So the speaker is a, a covenant person, a Christian who's taken these truths in. Uh, and the word believe doesn't just mean, I think that this is true. I think that this is factual. 
if if it if that's all it meant, then a demon could say the Apostles' Creed. But when we say belief, and we mean that from a Christian perspective, it's it's that it's true, an acknowledgement that it's true. But it also means that these these I have an investment in these promises that are flowing out of these truths. So I'm not just saying that it's true. I'm I'm capable of actually surrendering my life. It means that I trust in the promises that flow from these truths. So if I believe in the resurrection from the dead, that's going to impact my life and how I live now. If I believe that Jesus is Lord, it's not just a statement that's out there about reality. It's something that impacts my life. And there's going to be, there's going to be fruit from that in the way that I live. If I really truly believe I'm forgiven, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I confess that then that should have implications. Jesus teaches us for the way that we're capable of forgiving others and, and even letting go of our own uh, guilt because he loves us. As we talked about this statement, I believe in the middle school. And as I wrote those lessons, I looked at a book called the apostles Creed: a guide to the ancient catechism And I loved where he said, God's trustworthiness is verified by experience. But we don't start with verification. We start with trust. That doesn't mean that Christian belief is an irrational leap into the dark. It's more like tasting a dish that you have never tried. You've seen other people enjoying it. You've read the reviews. The chef swears you'll like it. There are good grounds for trusting, but you will never know for sure until you try it. Taste and see that the Lord is good, sings the psalmist. That's awesome. And that's one of the reasons we want to hear other people's stories and other people's engagement, how, how, how these truths have invaded their life, um, because uh, I think it encourages us to kind of live lives along the same um, trajectory. In my own thinking about God as creator, the more I've tasted of that truth, and the more I've appreciated it. And one of the ways that I've been wrestling with it lately is that it's God isn't done with being creator. He's still at work in my life and the life of this church and the world around me, creating, making, building. Second uh, Corinthians five tells us that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation now. And that's a reminder that whatever God is going to do in the future, he's, he's breaking in and doing that now. And that's such a simple truth, or it seems like it's so simple, but it's so profound, and it it changes everything. If we don't remember that and believe that and see that in our lives, uh, in the middle school lessons, sorry, I keep going back to them, but in the middle school lessons, we brought in the Greek gods, because at the time that the, this creed was written, they, the belief in the world was that all these gods did all these different things. Uh, and so the the physical world was considered bad. Um, and we kind of laughed at some of those stories. I, I think Crystal got to share with the kids some of the stories that they love of the Greek myths. But then we asked the kids, so how does that play out today? Because today we don't uh, believe in Greek gods necessarily. We like to go to movies and, and watch them. Uh, but Today, if we don't believe in that foundation that God is creator, what happens? Yeah, I think it's similar to the problem that we have if we don't believe that God is father. We're orphans. And if we don't believe that God is creator and that he's still at work, then it's all up to us. And everything comes down to what we can, what we can accomplish with our own two hands. Um, 
And if we don't do it perfectly, then it's, it's not going to get done. So seeing God at work, not just in us, but in others and seeing him capable of taking the thing that we intended and actually moving it towards something else, uh, as, as Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis 50, 20, you all intended for this thing, uh, to, to be, to happen to me for evil, but God intended it for good. God had a master plan that he was working even with your evil intentions. And so, uh, the fact that God is creator now just is, is so liberating and so encouraging. It makes me think of Sam Albury and him coming on September 13th. Uh, Jason, can you help us? Can you give us a little taste of what he's going to talk about? Yeah, absolutely, Heather. Um, to put it in terms of uh, the Apostles' Creed that we're talking about, uh, God has designed a good world. He's created a good world, but it is still broken. Uh, and uh, we've also rebelled against our good father, uh, but there is forgiveness of sin. So when we take all of those things and put them together, we have to consider in every area of our life how that truth spills out. So uh, we have Sam Albury coming to talk about Jesus and sexuality. He's a British speaker, writer, uh, theologian, pastor, and it's an opportunity for us to go deeper as a congregation than we can in places like sermons where we don't have as much time and there's a mixed audience. Uh, we're going to rely on Sam's expertise. He's written books. He's wrestled with his own sexuality and uh, counseled many people. And I'm really excited about this as an opportunity to uh, remember uh, the good design that God has given us and to understand how we live uh, together in a, a world where we're broken, we're sinful, and the world around us exhibits all kinds of confusion regarding a lot of these questions. And that reminds me that Lainey was going to let parents know, too, that this is a great opportunity for them to come and listen and have some ways to be able to talk to their children, and that we will also be following that up on September 28th with the Birds and Bees seminar for parents of young children. So we've got a lot of good things coming that help us work into our lives that God is our creator. Thank you, Jason and Heather, for sharing some teaching insights from the phrase, I believe in God the Father Almighty and creator of heaven and earth. In Sunday school this last week, as Jason mentioned, Matt Monahan taught on that phrase, creator of heaven and earth. After establishing the idea that God as creator is not just engineer, but artist, and, and explaining that the word poetes, the Greek word, uh, is what's translated as creator or maker, Matt then turns to try to convince the room that every Christian is an artist. Let's hear a bit of that now. So I want to convert you, as I said, why would I do this? Number one, because scripture says so. Okay, that's, that's the best um, authority to have in your corner. Uh, so let's start with that. I want to say that God is the poetes, the maker, the creator, and he made all of us, not just you artsy people, he made all of us to be poeteses. I, I know just enough Greek to be dangerous. I'm no scholar. Um, so here's a few verses, and, and we're not going to do this. Katie did a great job. Um, but time is scarce, and if this were Jamaica or Haiti, we could take all day, but we're in America, and we have to be on schedule. Um, so consider this blitz through another string of verses. Uh, in Genesis, we see that God is created in, uh, man is created in God's image. Man is created in God's likeness. Uh, in Exodus, it says, God gives the wisdom to make garments for the priests to serve, and just a follow-up, that the artists are 
filled, that, that this is God doing the filling, filled by the Spirit with wisdom, skill, knowledge, and understanding. Okay? Uh, and you, so you, I, I know some of you might be thinking, well, that's for the artist types. Okay? But again, I'm pushing. That's everybody. Uh, Christians themselves in 2 Corinthians are new creations of God. There's a really cool verse. It, the literal verse says, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. There's no connection. It's just bam. Um, God is the potter. We are his workmanship. Okay? And we're imaging him. Now, again, you could say, well, is it, is it a vase or a vase? Right? Um, and, and I'll be honest, I think in our PCA circles, and you guys seem outliers to me, we, t- we tend to be more on the practicality side. Like, we are God's plates and dinnerware. We're not a vase, you know. Um, uh, First, Corinthians, First Chronicles, God, com- through David, God commands his people to make sounds of joy on instruments. They're commanded. And like Roger said, sounds of joy. Um, but also song- songs of sorrow and other things. Um, Ephesians. We are God's workmanship, his poema, okay? The vases, maybe, or the vases. Uh, created for good works. Uh, and that's actually, uh, that's more the ergon works. So that's not the greatest evidence in my case. That's where the, the, the practicality people could say, we're created for work. We're like a Ford F-150, you know, not a Ferrari or something beautiful like that. Okay, um, as each has received a gift from God, let him use it to serve. Those with artistic gifts, and I'm pushing to show that this is everybody, um, the gift wasn't given for you. It was, it was given to serve, um, to serve others, to encourage others, to communicate with others, to be meaningful to others. Uh, and that's from man to man. I would also go in the direction Linda pointed out that from man to God, you know, our, partic- our participation, carrying on his work and reflecting his work back to him, for him, before his face. Uh, and, and that... Um, leads to Colossians. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord, not for human masters. Chris, I used to use an example in the last class, you know, uh, with his music. The way I'm wired, if I were gifted like a musician like that, I, I, I don't think I could do it primarily before the face of the Lord, as opposed to for my fan base, right? And, and one of the reasons I admire Chris talking to him for other things is I think he's a great example of having those priorities right. Um, and then finally, you're called to dwell on what is excellent or lovely. Like, Christians are called to, to consume and to enjoy things that are beautiful and delightful. When you enjoy beauty, you are glorifying God. It's not, it should not be a guilty pleasure. It's what you were made to do. Later, Matt gives many examples of the ways in which Christians are creative, are artists. And he talks about the concept of beauty, a concept that is something that a Christian alone can fully appreciate and understand the origins of that beauty. He closes with a few action points that I'd love to share now. To you as Christians, continue to create beautiful, useful, good things. You're doing what God created you to do and imaging him to the world. Number two, know that we live in a world where the idea of things having a purpose is not given. You know, all this stuff about man inventing whatever gender and all this crazy stuff that's going on, Part of what's at the root of that, there's no teleology. There's no purpose. There's no given purpose. It's whatever we make it, right? But if there's a God, boy, there's purpose everywhere. And there's meaning everywhere. And there's a, there's a strong antithesis between those two views. 
um, Christian, a Christian's way, I should be possessive, a Christian's way of being uh, is itself a proclamation of who God is and, and what his kingdom is like. Christians should live joyful, beautiful lives. A lot of Christians, uh, they see life as a grind. You know, suck it up, mortify your sin, uh, bear your cross, which are Christian ideas and they're important, but that's all it is. You know, suck it up. I know it's a grind, but if you want inter- eternal life, deal with it. You know, that, that's not the full-orbed gospel understanding of life. There is suffering, and Christianity gives us um, something, a lot of tools to deal with that, but life is also beautiful. And as Roger said, joy should be at the root of everything that we do. Uh, enjoy. Enjoy art uh, and other things like it. At least all that is excellent and lovely is a gift from God to us. And then be confident about having philosophical and theological conversations about beauty. You are more equipped than you may believe. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the North Shore Fellowship Podcast, a place to explore the intersection of God's story in our lives. I hope you've enjoyed exploring that intersection through the Apostles' Creed. And if you have yet to attend Sunday School, I invite you to come.